Welcome to Box 2, brought to you in partnership with Best Western's Hotel GB, supporting local, proudly independent hotels. I'm your host, Jamie Jones Buchanan, and each week I'll be sitting down with players, staff and special guests around Leeds Rhinos to tell their stories, preview upcoming weeks at the club and chat about all things Rhinos. Let's see what I've got in the hot seat for this episode. Welcome back to Box 2, myself, Jim Jones Buchanan, in partnership with Best Western Hotels GB. This week I'm joined by the Leeds Rhinos Club chaplain, Mike Wildsmith, somebody who's also a great friend and a mentor, has been one of my uh, inner circle members, probably since around 2004, when the great Ali Lawatiti introduced us at City Evangelical Church, where at the time you was a pastor. What do you remember about 2004 and Ali walking through them doors and then bringing me in a few days later? Well, I have to confess, Jamie, that uh, when Ali walked in, I didn't know who he was, which is <laughs> yeah. a terrible confession on box two, uh, but I didn't. And uh, some people in the church said to me, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And uh, he shook me hand at the door and I couldn't really tell what he'd said, to be honest with his deep accent. And um, it was until afterwards that I was it was explained to me who he was. And, uh, and then a couple of weeks later, uh, you came along because he brought you along uh, to, to church on a Sunday morning. Amen. And nobody says, do you know who that one is? <laughs> <laughs> um, chaplaincy, big in rugby league. Yep. Doesn't get quite the exposure I'd like it to get. Um, give us a bit of a, an explanation or insight into what club chaplaincy looks like throughout the league, because pretty much every Super League team has a club chaplain, you're all in a network, in a WhatsApp yeah. group, and a, a, an official network there. What does that look like? So, yeah, you're right, every Super League club has a chaplain, and in fact, a lot of the championship clubs have chaplains as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's quite a, a gang in, in terms of uh, people doing that. Um, it's it's uh, part of a chaplaincy organisation that runs right across sport, uh, Premier League, uh, horse racing, <laughs> speedway, uh, tracks, um, cricket clubs, uh, so much uh, chaplaincy work going on across the world of sport. Um, and really, it's a, it's a support mechanism. It's an opportunity for people to uh, ask for help, uh, question issues around faith and religion. Um, but I think it's part and parcel of the overall welfare uh, that goes on in clubs. And again, I think Rugby League does that particularly well. A couple of weeks ago, we had Nigel on Box 2, didn't we? And um, I suppose I'm working in support of him and alongside uh, the stuff that he's doing uh, day by day. Um, most chaplains, I think probably all chaplains in rugby league uh, are volunteers, so it's not really their, it's not their job in that sense in terms of paid employment. But different clubs do different things. So some chaplains I know uh, across in Warrington and St Helens, they're involved in, in helping on match days in terms of like being kit men and helping with the water and all sorts of stuff. So it takes different forms. Um, but the big thing that's important in chaplaincy is it's what we call by permission. Yep. So it's by request. Yep. It's not forcing anything on anybody. It's responding to requests for help, support, conversation. And for some people, something very specifically around issues around spirituality and faith. But it's always by request. It's never forced upon people. And we're supporting people who would describe themselves of differing faiths or none. Um, and um, we just want to support and encourage people the best that we can. It sometimes spills over into special events, so at the recent Rugby League World Cup, uh, chaplains were involved there, uh, and um, it often spills out into the wider uh, club community, uh, sometimes around funerals, sometimes the laying of ashes, um, sometimes within the context of wider family issues. 
So it's not just players and playing staff, but it could be support staff, office staff, security people, groundsmen and women, right across the whole family of each particular club. Yeah. And there's a really strong network. Uh, we, uh, we share information, we share ideas, um, and we share within the context of, of the Christian chaplaincy world, uh, prayer points. Uh, everything's confidential, names are not mentioned, uh, because we obviously work within a very public arena, and so we want to protect people's confidences uh, as, we, as we would in any walk of life, it seems to me. Many people might not know that actually Leeds Rhinos, I've heard it being described, certainly the club in its history, being a faith expression born out of St John's Church originally back in uh, late 1890s, lot 17A, this recreational ground as we know it now, the rugby and the cricket ground, was where St John's Church moved into. Now we met through Alan Altiti, I became a Christian, we did the Christianity Explored class, uh, I gave my life to Jesus and I was baptised actually in 2000. And nine, and it was the week before the grand final, the three in the row grand final. Right. So lots of little memories there. Obviously, Ali Lautiti, 20 years ago, we're celebrating 2024, 20 years after 2004, the first um, grand final win for us in the start of that well-known golden generation. I always make the mistake of saying, uh, you married me. You married me and my wife, Emma. Um, <laughs> back in 2008, and you know, I've grown in my faith. Ever since, I actually gave a talk actually about values and beliefs this morning at Leeds Civic Hall and talked about how my faith underpins everything. That's a start point every morning when I, I get out of bed. But as well as faith or religion, somebody might, some people might refer to it and you'll have some interesting takes on what religion is, what it looks like actually. Um, you've had a prior job in the secular world as well, sure. um, in team development, relationships, team building. Yeah. We've done a little bit of work a bit over 12 months ago when I was in a bit of an interim period and you helped out with some team building there. Gives an insight into what it's like bringing, what it means to bring people together. Sure. I mean, I've always been fascinated and still am fascinated with people. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, where there's people, there's problems, but there's also where there's people, there's great potential. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, before uh, I've been a, a, in church, a church minister, a pastor of a church now for 24 years. Yeah. Uh, but before that, I was 13 years in, in business consultancy, uh, mostly around people management, human resources, change management, and a lot of training, development, coaching, um, and having to rebuild teams off the back of, of uh, business decisions that have been made. So I think you can bring all that stuff into, into life. You can bring it into church life. You can bring it into sports, the sports arena, uh, because basic issues around communicating with each other, supporting each other, uh, you know, sticking together when the chips are down, all those sorts <laughs> of issues, yeah. you know, are just vital for strong performance and increased and incremental performance in any walk of life. Yeah. Um, and so... People have always intrigued me in watching people interact and sometimes sit off and step out of situations. I'm always intrigued as to why they've done that yep. and how we can draw them back in. Um, and sometimes it can be down to a simple issue around communicating really down to language, you know? Yeah. Some people can say something that means something completely different to you or to me. And if we get clarity around the language that we're using within the message set that we're adopting, yeah. then I think we, we, can, we can really start to motor and move things on. And that's the same within the context of, of faith and in the context of church life. Um, you know, some people would talk about religion. Uh, and I have to say, I, I don't like religion. And that might sound strange from someone who's 
a church minister. Um, simply because so often religion is, is badged as rules and regulations, a list of things that you do. Yep. Um, whereas I think the Christian faith in particular is about a relationship, a relationship with God. It's not a set of rules that I do to try and impress him or earn points with him. Um, no, no, God has, has made all the, all the steps towards me and towards us. He's, he's taking the initiative and he wants to build a relationship with us. I was talking to some school kids just this morning about this same issue. Uh, you know, and if you, if you love somebody, if you're in a, a marriage or a, 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 a partnership with somebody, you know, you do things because you want to do those yeah, things, not yeah. because you have to, not because you've been told to. I was using the simple illustration this morning. I take my wife a cup of coffee most mornings. Not because it says so on a rule somewhere in our kitchen, but because I love her, yeah. we have this relationship, and I, and I want to do that. Sure. You know? And I think so many people get tied up in religion because it's about what they do, when they do it, in certain parts of the day or certain situations they find themselves in. And, and sure, each to their own, I grant you that, but actually I think religion often ties people down and makes it about me trying to work my way to God, whereas I think the Christian faith is, a, is, a, is the amazing story of God stepping down to us, and I think that changes everything. 100% couldn't agree more on it. All feeds into welfare. Certainly when I'm talking about my own journey as an individual and then as a director of culture, diversity and inclusion, it always starts with this idea, um, and it's early on in the Bible, the first time God says something is not good, it's in reference to man being alone. For human beings to be alone, social isolation sure. kills. We're all made in God's image, so something intrinsically divine about the gifts that we're all born with, in my opinion, and people might uh, differ, have different opinions. So then you find an opportunity, and for me, well, physical expression through sport, to be able to realise some of those gifts. You use those gifts within the context of a team, Yep. A purpose of belonging to a tribe, a community, a church, a school, a business, of a common drive, value, a direction, setting a direction and destination. What do we want to do? Where we're going? Why? And then obviously the physical well-being. We live in a physical earth. We've got a vessel that uh, we need to look after, and then the mental and spiritual for me, well-being underpins everything. In fact, actually, start off with the idea that faith is at the foundation. A little bit like when put the mask on an aeroplane before you look after your kids. Intuitively, you look after your kids first, but you can't do that unless you're well yourself. It always ends with freedom. You know, the idea that come up through there, the foundation, uh, is a freedom. So when we're in the context of uh, sport and the environment, and let, we'll, we'll get on in a bit about what we touched on in inclusivity around, where we talked about the different faiths as well, different sure. beliefs within, or non-beliefs actually as well, sure. within the Leeds Rhinos, which is all part of the inclusive nature of, of the club. Um, but in the context of some of the engagements that you have with the players, what does that look like, helping them to feel accepted and included within that environment? Sure. So, uh, like I, you've just alluded to, Jamie, you know, some people come with a, a, a background of faith, but no real um, expression of that in their current life, you know, perhaps from a family background. Some people come from a position of no faith. Some people come from a position of different faiths. Yeah, yeah. And my role is to try and support all those situations. So I think, first of all, it's about being accepted and, and being friendly and being warm and being kind and, you know, asking how people are at and, you know, how, how people are and where they're at with various things. Just doing the normal social interaction. Um, I think sometimes people, and you've used this phrase before, sometimes people think that, you know, the, 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 the church man comes along or the religious man or the chaplain walks in 
uh, you know, and he's either Ned Flanders off 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 the Simpsons, <laughs> or he's some, you know, sort of disconnected individual from the reality of life. And and I just want to say, look, uh, we, we're not we're normal people. Chaplains in rugby clubs and sports, we, we're normal people. We face all the same things that everybody else faces. Yeah. You know, we've got family issues, we've got issues with our workplace, we've got issues with our own, you know, well-being and all those sort of things. And so part of it is just trying to show people that actually it's not weird. I haven't got three heads. You know, we're just <laughs> ordinary people. Yeah. And I think to get to know people, and I have to say, um, you know, the lads, uh, particularly the first team, which, which is where my focus was to begin with, have just been so accepting and yeah. so welcoming. Uh, and therefore, it's, it, it's sort of um, symbiotic, you know. They're so friendly to you, so you're friendly to them. So sometimes it's sitting having lunch with them and just catching up and saying, how, how are things, you know. But then it's always by permission, yeah, yeah. okay, so it's always responding to a request that's being made. So um, this is the end of my second season here. Um, and towards the end of the first season, the request was made, could we have a group where people want to come and sit and chat about issues of either spirituality or faith or general issues that they're facing? Yeah. And, you know, would you as the chaplain give, uh, you know, an hour or so for people to do that? It ended up being called the Connect Group. Um, to be fair, uh, it was something that, that Rowan had, had uh, experienced over in Australia, and he suggested that we might think about this. And so again, by permission, following a request, um, that's what we do. And so now we have each week a thing, it's called Connect, because that's what the, the name was given, and so we've run with that. Um, and again, by request from the players who, who've come along, uh, we've just done that same Christianity Explore course that you talked about yeah. because they asked if we could do it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we did. Um, then a little later, uh, a group of players came and said, um, before a game, would you come down to the changing rooms, read a little passage from the Bible and pray with us? Yeah. Again, it was their request. So again, I think as a courtesy and I think it's the right thing to do, I went and asked if, you know, in terms of the, the head coach and the coaching stuff, would... Is that okay? This has been a request that's come from, from the players. Are you happy with that? They were very happy with it, very supportive of it. And so now, at the games that I'm able to get to, because I can't get to every game, but the games that I can get to, you know, a group of three, four, sometimes five players who want to, it's their, it's their decision, they simply step either out of the changing room into the corridor here at Headingley, or sometimes if we're in, it's an away game, we might be in the corner of a, of a changing room somewhere. And we just have a, a very simple reading from the Bible and, and a prayer. And that prayer is as much about safety and well-being um, as well as playing and doing our sport to the glory of God. And it's their request. I've uh, been a part of Connect Groups in, in the past. At other clubs, actually. I remember Jesse Sinelafay or Junior Moores and Tia Rona at Wakefield Cass, a few other boys um, had groups. Uh, it's the first time I've seen that within the context at Rhinos. So it's been really, really nice to see uh, without a doubt. Um, just going back, talk to me about sport because we're in the sporting context. You're a big sports fan, um, and when this vacancy came up, I knew you well hoped that you might be interested. But your background is actually in the other sport, on the other side of the stadium, in cricket. You love cricket there, yeah. uh, and also one thing we do disagree on, unfortunately, is Mike Wellsmith's a Liverpool supporter in the football world. So, because you've got an issue there with Liverpool, you have actually worked. Um, within the chaplaincy space at Liverpool Football Club as well. Sure. Tell us about cricket, tell us about Liverpool. Sure, so yeah, I love cricket. I, I, I think I'm deciding, it was the final game of the season on Saturday 
and uh, I'm just clinging on by my fingernails in the team. Uh, I'm 56, Jamie, so maybe it's time I, uh, I turn to umpiring rather than playing, but we'll see. Uh, but uh, no, I love playing cricket. Uh, I've played cricket for a long time. You can't be a Yorkshire and not play cricket, can you? Uh, and it, it's, it's great fun. And um, yeah, it's been all right this season. It's not been the best of seasons, I have to confess, in terms of our own team. But um, again, just a great situation to be involved with the lads uh, over in Waddington, where I, where I currently live. Um, and so that's been great, yeah. Liverpool, um, as I said before, most, if not all, of the Premier League clubs have got a chaplain. Yeah. And uh, uh, so over the previous years, I've, I've helped to, to support, uh, usually around Christmas time uh, and doing a carols event like we did here last year. And we plan to do again this year, all being well. Um, my background is in music, so I often got roped in in terms of the music side of things. Yeah. Uh, but again, just a great opportunity to, to connect across a wide community from the football club at Liverpool. And in many ways, we're trying to replicate some of that by what we've, we've done here at the Rhinos. And um, maybe that'll expand to something a bit more. We'll see where, where that runs. But um, yeah, that was the, the support. And then the only other thing I did at Liverpool was again by request from a player who, again, I won't name, uh, but a, first, a, a previous first team player at Liverpool um, who, who himself was a Christian, uh, asked if I would go and do almost like a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with him uh, week by week. One of the issues for a lot of sports men and women is that getting to church on a Sunday yeah. when you've got a game is a bit tricky. In yeah. fact, it's impossible. Uh, and um, so uh, he, he made a request that could we sort of do church, as it were, <laughs> at least the Bible study element of it yeah. uh, at his house uh, in the midweek. And so for a number of a number of months indeed, uh, probably a year or so, until you know a transfer arises and all that sort of stuff that happens in professional sport. Uh, I, I went along and did that sort of thing as well. Awesome. How do you find the difference between footballers and you know these working class rugby league players, all the perception thereof? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we can get wild, can't we? I mean, the, the, the obvious answer to that question is money. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so... You know, when you go and do a Bible study with a, 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 a Liverpool first-team footballer, you end up going through some big gated community into some, some massive house because yeah. that's the environment, you know. Uh, and with the greatest respect, we did Christianity Explored back in 2004 in your house and it didn't look like some of the houses of the Liverpool <laughs> first-teamers. I don't mean rude, but Still that's just the reality. Still don't, mate. Ain't got final rings later. But I think the bottom line, Jamie, is everybody's the same. Yeah, of course. 100%. You know, um, I remember, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this really, but I remember talk, uh, hearing a story of a, a, a church minister down in London who was a bit worried because he'd taken over a church where everybody was like the hoi polloi. Everybody was really rich, <laughs> city of London stuff. Right. And he was a bit nervous about this first service that he was taking. And, and the previous minister who was retiring could see he was getting nervous. And he tapped him on the shoulder and he said, just remember, they all go to the toilet the same way. What he's saying is, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. whatever the situation is, and I think referring back to, I think Nigel was sitting a couple of weeks ago, you know, and he made the point, didn't he, that, you know, for 80% of the time, people in professional sport are facing the same issues yeah, yeah. that the rest of us are facing, you know, could be to do with family, could be to do with work, could be to do with your kids or your parents, it could be to do with how you're feeling in yourself. Okay, there are some slight differences in terms of the public nature of it, and and the you know the the, the work you're doing is cheered on by a, you know ten fifteen thousand people or in football terms fifty thousand people you know but really 
people are people yeah, and yeah. we're faced up with the same sorts of issues. And that's why I think, for me, you know, we need that foundation of something that's outside of us. Yeah. And by that, for me, I mean God. Yeah. You know, we need that foundation. I was talking to somebody in the club not too long ago, and they were describing the, their basis of life being fate, okay. really. Yeah. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And I said, well, fine, if that's, if that's how you think, that's great. But for me, faith is a stronger foundation than fate. Um, and, you know, that's, that's my view of, of things. And I don't want to foist that or push that on anybody else. But I think, you know, whatever you base your life on, I think you have to know that it works. Yep. And it's going to stand adversity. It's going to stand challenge. It's going to stand, you know, disappointment. Uh, and difficulty, and my experience has been, and the experience I think of, of the Christian of the Christian Church over, well, nearly two thousand years now, is that it stands it stands the test. It holds up, you know, um, fundamentally because that the foundation is not a concept, but the foundation is a person. Yeah. You know, Jesus is, is is described in the Bible as the chief cornerstone, the bit that you build on, you know. Um, that's just one description of, of what the Bible says Jesus is. Um, and, and for me, in a world that's so changing and so uncertain, I think the offer of certainty and security is something that at least needs exploring yeah. and thinking about. Oh, yeah. And for me, is needs accepting and building on and, and standing upon. Well, there's another word, hope. Mm -hmm. that sits in there and I think I, I sometimes get not criticised but people sort of look at me in a naive way because I'm a quite a positive individual I tend to see the best in most and within most situations as well to the point where I might even look a little bit self-deluded <laughs> and that's just rooted in this long-term faith you know there's a there's a finality about the entropic world who and what we are right now but there is an eternity to think about in my personal opinion. It's really funny, when you mentioned uh, the, the financial quarter in London there, I got invited to go and give a testimony at a church, smack bang in the middle, and I had no idea where I was going, and when I got there, it was on a barge, on a canal, the church barge, it was a barge with like <laughs> seats, and that's where their church was, it was unbelievable, you must, and I, I've been all over the world, and I've seen faith manifest itself in, in different ways, and you know, some, you mentioned Polynesian, cultures tend to come over and mm -hmm. that's where well, you see the Fijians doing the prayers sure. before the games. I've been to Papua New Guinea and if you talk about poverty in PNG, a lot different to what it is over here. I mean, sure. The happy middle class people in Papua New Guinea grow the food in the garden. Mm -hmm. like, they don't go to the supermarket, they grow mm -hmm. it right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, wow, but they're all over the moon and they're happy to offer it to you as well. Mm -hmm. um, you must have been, you know, I've travelled the world, mm -hmm. you must have been to some interesting places when you think about being made in God's image. And the diverse way in that manifests itself. What are some of the more interesting places, cultures, people that you visited? So I've had the privilege of going to various parts of Africa. Uh, and of course, there, the expression of faith is, is very demonstrative. Yeah. Um, it's very loud. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very sort of not British stiff upper lip at yeah. all. You know, dancing, swaying, singing, shrieking, shouting, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it's an expression of their faith in their culture. Um, and again, I think what I found travelling into parts of, of, uh, of Africa, Mozambique, uh, Swaziland, uh, parts of Kenya, South Africa, 
um, you see some, some real poverty, I mean proper poverty. Um, and yet, bizarrely, you see a sense of security yeah. and a sense of peace and this hope that you're talking about, which is real and vibrant. It really is. And, um, and, and the other thing that strikes me when it, you go to some of these places, I've been to Sri Lanka, I've been to parts of Eastern Europe um, before they've had the investment of cash uh, from the EU, uh, where literally in parts of Romania, for example, I mean, literally mud huts, right. you know, houses made out of mud with carrier bags for the roof. Um, and yet um, people want to offer you things. Yeah. They, want to, they want to feed you. Um, you know, uh, and so this gratitude and this benevolence yeah. that comes from a faith in God is just, it's so humbling. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it really impacts you. Um, I've often said, if I could take a group of people, if I could take the first team here, or I could take everybody in the church that I'm part of in Warrington, put them in the TARDIS and take <laughs> them to yeah. Africa or, or Sri Lanka or, or Romania and show them some stuff. Rather than seeing it on the telly, uh, when, you see, when you see it up close and personal rather than through a, a TV screen, it really impacts the way you think about stuff. Um, I don't think it's helpful if it makes you feel guilty, yeah. but I think it makes you feel gratitude. Yeah. I think it makes you feel, hey, you know what? When I'm tempted to moan and groan, as we all are at times, just think on a minute. You know what? It's not as bad as it could be. Yeah. Um, sure. And that's not to undermine some real challenges that people face in Leeds and indeed across the UK. But I think, you know, sometimes we feel entitled to things. Yeah. I think sometimes it's worth just thinking, hold on a minute, this is all a gift and I should be grateful to the giver. Huge. Uh, Do you know, sometimes I think as I've got to that sort of second, 45 second chapter of my life, past 40 years old, I don't get that excited about it right now. I don't get too down either, but gratitude is a, a, an overwhelming emotion that I feel quite a lot of. Mm. Certainly with regards to people, love and the connection, I um, mm. get really excited. And it, it, to me, I, I feel like it is a gift because there's that saying, isn't there? If you fear God, you don't fear much else, Sure. to be fair. Sure. And so, you, yeah, just keep persevering, turning up at the start line with that as a solid foundation and uh, a background. Let's Let's... Just talk on the inclusivity around. You did a piece in our programme I thought was brilliant and you know, we talked about non-belief of which there are within the team. Talked about Catholicism. Um, Justin Sangar, I think, has got that background. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's two players there, Nene McDonald and uh, Aidan Caesar, both fasted this year. Sure. Um, obviously rooted in the Islamic faith. And it is inclusive. And you talked about how sport and unbelief has got the power for them to come together and express themselves on the playing field, and it's all part of the Leeds Rhinos makeup. What was it like writing that, and uh, how did you reflect on it? So it's, I think it's really important, isn't it, to, to recognise that um, there are differences of opinion. Yeah. And I think the thing that, up, that upsets me around, and I'll use the word religion in this context, uh, and the discussion around different faiths, is that sadly, faith has been the cause of a lot of argument, <laughs> and sadly, a lot of war. Yeah. And therefore a lot of death and and I find that really upsetting um, I also think it's really important that we say look um, there are some things we're going to disagree about but without sounding sort of a bit cheesy we can disagree without being disagreeable yeah you know um, 
So, you know, we're not going to fall out that you support Leeds and I support Liverpool. I mean, you're wrong, but, you know, we're not going to fall out about that. You know, I mean, it's that sort of scenario. We can have some banter, we can have some fun. Now, issues of, of faith and religion are deadly serious, in my opinion. And I think we hold to our faith with deep conviction. But I think we also, I used a phrase in the article, seek first to understand, yeah. then to be understood. That's not a religious phrase, it's, a, it's from a business guru. But it's really helpful when we think about differences of faith and inclusivity and diversity of expression of religion. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So I might disagree with people who are, who, are, who are Muslims and people who are Hindus and people who are Sikhs about some of the tenets of their faith. But it's helpful to understand them, you know. Um, I used to work when I worked in business with my, my boss was, was, was a Jewish man. And uh, it was intriguing to me for him to, you know, play out and, and, and live out the various feasts and fasts of the, of the Jewish religion. Things that I read about in the Bible, yeah. but he observed those from a, a Jewish perspective. But actually, it shone a huge amount of light onto what I actually believed was the fulfillment of all those feasts and, 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 and fasts and, and rituals in the person of Jesus. So if I hadn't have spent time talking to Simon and trying to understand, yeah. well, my own understanding of, of, of who Jesus is would be the worst for that. So I think sometimes you know, we have to say, look, we think different things about certain things, but we can have an open and a friendly and a, 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 and a, a helpful discussion. Um, you know. Um, some people will say certain things and I'll say, look, I, I, I don't agree with that. But I'm not going to fall out with you about it. <laughs> you know, I do want to share with you what I believe. But we can have that in the, in, in the, in the content, context of a, a friendly and an open discussion. <laughs> and, and I think, as you, you know, literally as people pack down in the scrum on a field at Eddingley, there are those people from different faiths and none literally pushing in the same direction. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that each person necessarily believes that everything that everybody else believes is true. Because there are certain things that certain faiths say, which means that what the other faith says can't be true in their view, because they oppose. Yeah. There are some things that are similar, but there are some things that are fundamentally different. So they can't both be right. Yeah. But you can hold to your view and I might hold to my view and we don't, we don't necessarily, in fact, it would be better if we didn't fall out about it, but we were just clear about what we believed. And I think to me, Jamie, whatever faith or worldview you hold to, it has to work in reality. You know, it has to work when the rubber hits the road. Uh, and if it doesn't, then I think we should then be considering actually, is this worth pinning not just my life but my eternity on? Yeah. And if we're not sure about that, then I think it's worth then exploring what else I can have. Hope is such a massive issue. You know, I ask people regularly, what's your hope in? I don't mean I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're not talking about what you're really hoping for. A lot of people today tell me they've got no hope. I think that's really sad. But actually, I believe from a Christian perspective that in Jesus we have what's called a living hope and a hope that lasts right through life and lasts into, into eternity. An inheritance that's not going to perish, spoil or fade. An actual hope that really works um, in 
the real mess of life. It is messy. And that's why it seems to me we need an anchor. We need a fixed point. And we need that real hope. And, and I think that's what Jesus offers. I like what you're saying there about the, the disagreeing commit. I think when you look back at you can't hide from the fact I grew up in a fortunate generation of players that had a lot of success. You know, all them grand final rings and medals. Can't pin your hope in that because it's long gone. It's past. It's in the past. You've got to move forward. <laughs> Keep progressing. Learn from that. Inspire, educate, entertain. I'm always talking about that. But quite often people reflect and it might come across that you know, that group of players floated around on clouds of golden smoke. <laughs> and it couldn't be further from truth. We spent most of our time disagreeing, arguing for, that, for a common goal. But once we cross the line... We, uh, we commit, mm -hmm. give our best. So that, I love what you're talking about there about um, festivals, uh, because whether or not you're a person of faith, I think most people, not everybody, enjoy Christmas. Mm -hmm. And this Christmas, 19th of December, 4 p.m., we're gonna have our second carols event. Mm -hmm. Careful not to call it carol service. We don't wanna make it too religious. It was great last year. Uh, Christmas jumpers, readings from players, staff, and a great turnout. Um, did you enjoy it last year? We've got the Salvation Army and a few others coming local schools. Christmas does bring people together and, and helps to form that connection, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I really did enjoy it. It was, it was fantastic. I, I have to say I was a bit nervous because I do get <laughs> yeah. nervous, still get nervous. I think it's probably a good thing to get a little bit of nerves, isn't it? It's, it's a good thing to get you on the edge a little bit. Yeah. But um, no, it was great. And you're always wanting something to work well. And, and I think it did, you know. Um, we tried to make it informal and relaxed, hence the Christmas jumpers. Somebody asked me, would I be wearing my robes? Well, I haven't got any robes. You know? <laughs> well, what about a dog collar? Well, I haven't got a dog collar either. I haven't got a dog, never mind a dog collar. Um, so we're trying to make it relaxed. And, and yeah, we, we chose to use the phrase Carol's event rather than Carol's service because we didn't want people to think it was going to be churchy. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the church per se, but I think what people think it was going to be, you know, sort of formal and a bit dull and all that sort of stuff that people have this view of church that it might be or a, a service in a church so no it was it was really informal it was very community based we had the schools coming in singing like you said the Salvation Army band can't beat a brass band in Yorkshire can you uh, at Christmas time and yeah just to involve people and and uh, people from various teams uh, men's women's uh, physical disability learning disability people from the office office staff it was just great uh, and yeah, Christmas draws people together in community in that sense. Um, and I think to make sure we focus on what the heart of Christmas is all about, you know, was, was, was really, really helpful. I mean, I was given, a, a, you know, on a plate, wasn't I? Because the, the marketing for last year uh, was all about faith. Yeah. And there was that big poster. And uh, so it was sort of given to me on a plate. So I'm hoping the marketing department can uh, line me up with another good biblical word for this coming Christmas event. And it was our ops director, I believe, Sue Ward, as well, that inspired it. Because it was, it was. You know, when you talk about by invitation, she, she yeah. invited you and asked, asked sure, to sure. put it on. Yeah, uh, yeah I, my understanding was that there'd perhaps been some similar sort of event, but perhaps 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so just in a conversation with Sue, she said uh, about doing a cow series. I think I'd mentioned that I'd done something like that. With, the, with Liverpool on a number of occasions. And, um, and then she said, well, why, why don't we do something like that here? So again, by permission, by request, uh, then you know, we'll, we can endeavour to do that sort of thing. And so I'm really looking forward to it again on the, on the December the 19th. Uh, I'll uh, dust off my 
my rugby Christmas jumper that had to go and buy. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and hopefully as many people as we can fit in can get along. I, I, uh, I'm like you, Jamie, I'm a positive sort of guy and, and uh, I can picture in my mind's eye at least, whether it would ever happen or not, who knows, but I can picture in my mind's eye uh, a, a big event actually in the stadium yeah. and uh, outside. Uh, you know, it'd be even better if the snow was falling. That would be really atmospheric, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, and we, I don't know, maybe invite fans, maybe invite people in the community, you know, and get a, a Friday night packed Headingley feel for a Christmas carol event. That would be uh, that, that would be amazing. I know, for example, there's a there's a similar uh, carol event occurring in Warrington at the Halliwell Jones uh, in December as well, and they're doing it outside, right. and so they're hoping they might have three or four thousand there. So. Um, we have to beat the wire somehow, won't we? So do something better than them. That's it. That's a fair <laughs> effort. We shall get there, mate. Um, well, you better get your kit on for one last time, 22nd of September here this coming Friday. We're playing our final game against the Castleford Tigers. Be able to take up the opposition. I've seen you a few times on the television at the back at the bench, just <laughs> whispering a, a word or two in these other players. Our women are in action as well over at St. Ellen's in there. Last semi-final eliminator in the, the playoffs there. The, the final will be held at the highest winning team's ground. So, um, quite interesting, Yorker in the other semi against mm -hmm. Wigan. Uh, they look pretty strong. Have you done much work with our women? You've had a few interactions. So, like yeah, so I went, went and introduced myself to, to the women's team yeah. uh, one Tuesday night when they were training. I uh, had a session with the academy uh, lads one evening. Uh, again, they asked me to come across and just share a little bit about my own story uh, and my own journey uh, thus far. That was a great opportunity. Um, and we're trying to work out a way in which we could perhaps do a, a sort of a connect type event that could include everybody. Yep. There's complications because people obviously work, uh, the lads, the first team lads are in during the daytime. So how that will work out, we, we're trying to work through, but I know Sue and, and Matt Cook, we're trying to work something out that, so we can do that. I've had individual conversations with some of the ladies and they, they were, at least one of them has said to me, they'd be really interested in doing this Christianity Explored thing because it does what it says on the tin. It just gives people opportunity to explore, yeah. you know? And, um, and I think, a lot of people in our day and generation have just never had that opportunity. Um, they've sort of written off the church as irrelevant. They've written off the Bible as out of date. They've written off Christianity as something that we no longer are as a nation, you know, just because the census says, seems to say so. Um, so to offer somebody an opportunity to say, well, why don't you just explore this, you know, with, with no agenda than just explore it. Uh, and so um, at least one of the ladies from the ladies team I was in conversation with and, and she was saying, oh, I'd be quite interested to do something like that. And there may be people in the office and there may be people in other elements of this great family of the rhinos that, that, could, um, that could take part in that. And obviously, if they wanted to, we'd do what we could to put it on. And speaking of family, big congratulations to our wheelchair rugby team who will be presented with the League Leaders Trophy Brilliant. at Sedbert Sports and Leisure Centre. Uh, this coming weekend in Bradford there. They're going to be playing in the Wheelchair League Grand Final. Uh, pretty soon, really looking forward to seeing that. Mike, thank you very much for joining us in Box 2. Looking forward to seeing you just one last time, certainly, in the Leeds Rhinos kit in 2023, anyway, here at Lake Stadium. Hope everybody's having a great week and hope to see you this coming Friday. In the meantime, all the very best. God bless. <laughs>